Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on and so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners, can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash drink. That's rosettastone.com slash drink. Oh, Christine. I uh, don't know what to do because usually you beat me to the intro, but welcome everybody to it. And that's why we drink. How are you today, Christine? I miss you so much. I miss you too. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to give you the space to start the episode. You know? Oh, that's very yeah. kind. But I, I do, I think I secretly like when you take the reins. Uh, yeah, but I needed you to make that decision for yourself instead okay. of me, you know, imposing it upon you. So I'm glad we've reached the same decision. And next week I'll start the episode. Okay. Um, well, I'm <laughs> just teasing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christine, what are you up to today oh, on this um, fine, fine Tuesday? Oh, Tuesday. I don't even know anymore. I got to say, I'm drinking a cold brew, okay? Mm. A potent cold brew because... Oh. I had one of those nights last night that when you're like watching a sitcom or a rom-com and someone has a baby and they're like, no. ah, you know, and that is exact. And I've always said, which I know in some ways this might be ignorant or I don't know, but I've always said like, I felt like people fear monger a lot with parenting and like mm-hmm. put this like fear in people and say like, you're never going to be yourself again. You're never going to have friends again. You know, like there's just a lot. And maybe I just internalized that probably. I have but, as well. I, yeah. Right. It's, it's, it, it terrifies it's, me. It's terrifying. And like, then I had a baby and I was like, okay, like you can make this work with like your, uh, with your life. Like we live in a time where as a woman, I don't have to like stop my whole life for having a baby, you know? But so I've always felt very like, yeah, we're kicking ass and like Blaze does so much. And last night, um, the molars, the molars started coming in and oh, the oh, teething. Oh my God. And she's teeth. She's had like her front teeth. She already has eight teeth, but like the molars start coming in and oh Oof. boy, are we in our own personal hell? Um, uh. she, this poor thing, she's just like pulling on her ears, like fevers, mm. just like, so, like wailing, like all night long wailing. And then I like put my finger in and like her gums are just like swollen and like hot. And there's like, you can feel the teeth coming through. And I'm like, this sounds so painful. And for a baby who's like never had, you know, any sort of like real life experience it's like she must be like what is this yeah, happening it's be the, to me the worst thing in the world 
Yeah, and she's so she hasn't been eating enough because, mm. you know, so then she wakes up and she's starving in the middle of the night. Sounds so like today's less... maybe an applesauce kind of day. Yeah, you know? oh, it is a yoga, one of those like gogurt, like the yeah. <laughs> the organic gogurt, whatever it's called. And a, uh, to, like literally in the middle of the night, Blaze came downstairs at 430 and I was sitting on the couch with her watching Miss Rachel, which I just learned about. And oh, really? Like, feeding I her. Rachel. I do, too. And feeding her yogurt out of like a tube uh, it was blaze came down and was like oh my god what's going on and leona was just like laughing but she had just like tear-stained face because she was crying all night and then blaze took over and so we've been taking turns but this morning i will say we accomplished something because we went to the gym like her little gym class and she did some front tumbles and she did some climbing wow. and She's napping. So you know what? It's okay. I have coffee. I'm ready to go. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and is she better during the day or something? Because she's like, you're willing to, like, throw her around in circles, but she, like, her teeth are still breaking through her mouth. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I think during the day she's she's been very, very cranky. But then today I think she's, like, on... I don't know. It goes day by day. I feel like mm. some days she gets the fevers and the achiness and some days she doesn't. But they say it's like a two week span. So I'm hoping and it's been oh, going God. on for a little while. So I'm hoping we get through it soon. I'm so sorry. That sounds awful. <laughs> it's, um, it's one of those nights where I'm like, oh, I see now what people are saying when they're like, this is really hard. And don't get me wrong. It is hard. All of it's hard. But like. This part you can't put a positive spin on. No, this part just sucks because, like, she's in pain. That's the worst part. It's like, oh, God, you know. And as someone, the my molars are my favorite teeth that I have in my head. Because <laughs> you can, why? Because you can eat steak with them? I think I don't, I, well, I have some sort of probably, like, oral fixation or something if oh, Freud cool. were here. Where, like, I, there's something about, like. Oh, like yeah, the, you do say that. You've said that. You chew on. I, I chew on some weird things because it feels good on my molars, like the Dr. Scholl's insoles. Oh my god, they feel so good. It's so good. <laughs> it's like it's like when we used to chew on like the pencil grippers, you know? Yeah, when, I do get it. I, get I just it. never grew out of it. And so, as someone who loves my molars, I'm telling you, Leona, wherever you are, it is worth your time when this yeah, when they kick in. she can eat more fruit snacks once she has those. She can have some Dr. Scholl's insoles with me. Oh, <laughs> don't you dare! Don't you dare! I'm just, they're big enough she couldn't choke she couldn't I'm possibly like, choke on it don't they have liquid inside them i've never broken through with my human teeth with 30 years experience so i think she let wouldn't me ask, do it. you don't put them out of your shoes and then into your mouth right be for real Absolutely i mean um it's not a a thing where i'm supposed to suddenly know all the parameters and rules surrounding this habit you have like it's... i think we could assume i have feet insoles and mouth insoles and they are oh, separate sorry. all I'm times. so sorry i should have known <laughs> man if you if you need something to do if you have some sort of like stimming thing like and you need a new thing to chew on you give one of those dr Scholl's foot insoles a, a okay whirl. i'm not signing off on this in case we get sued because i am saying at your own risk chew on something that goes in your shoes and, goes, and probably has chemicals on it. I don't know. It probably has chemicals. I mean, I'm saying you go for it and also don't sue us. I'm just saying I, I it's it's a it's a good time if you want to give it a whirl once and that's it. <laughs> this, okay. turned, this turned really interesting. Anyway, <laughs> don't die. <laughs> this is why I drink today. Um, Blaze and I both woke up and like looked at each other and we're like, oh my god, our eyes. <laughs> I was like, your eyes. He's like, your eyes. And we're just like, so oh, tired. you just you, anyway. the first night of. 
waking up and seeing yourself aged parents. Oh, well, you know, we had that during definitely during the newborn phase, but then we got we got jaded because like she slept so well for so many months that we were like, we nailed it. And then all of a sudden. I really yeah. think you're predisposed to have a worse second child. Like, you know how they say that the yeah. first, if the first baby's good, the second baby is yeah. like kind of a little bit of a, a fireball. Yeah, because they say like the first baby like convinces you to have a second and then you're like, oh no, what have I done? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like if Leona was this good that two weeks into her like being alive, you're like, oh, we nailed it. You know, you're really, really going to go through the, through the <laughs> ringer if you have a second kid. <laughs> ah! Anyway. Help. The end. No. <laughs> why do you drink? Oi, I don't know why I drink today. I it's always more medical stuff. I'm still having these like stupid fainting spells. But the uh, can you tell them about your Doctor Scholl's inserts? They might want to know. That might be what's doing it. <laughs> no, I'm like on a weird like I'm like I've created this whole routine. I don't even know. Like this isn't like doctor's orders. This is me just like kind of going with my gut on like adding certain vitamins and like. If so, SVT has been handled, and so now this is a whole new thing. And so, mm-hmm. currently, they're thinking it's POTS, which a lot of people did write in a long time ago mm-hmm. and say that it sounded like POTS. Um, yeah. so I've been really like, I've looked like a crazy person. Allison's family is in town, and I just oh, must yeah. look like the most unhinged person. But also, I've literally <laughs> fe- next month is going to mark a year of all my medical stuff, and so I'm just oh, like, God, officially like, fuck it with how insane i look in public because i have a backpack full of like all these like like a medical bag at all times if it is pots i apparently need to be eating like so much more sodium than i have so i like have these salt sticks that i'm eating like i'm like eating like oh yeah we talked about it last week or a week before because i said (sighs) it reminds me of a horse yeah they just taste like vitamin c but they're um I just like I have to be chugging water constantly so I'm drinking like a gallon of water a day. I'm like eating so much salt. It's it has helped on days where I've done it I haven't had fainting spells oh, but I don't know good. if I don't know if it's because of that or if I'm just like lucking out. Are you keeping but, a little journal to like mark? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Good. And uh but yeah, so cuz I'm getting another heart monitor in February or no, at the end of January, but it will Congratulations. be Congratulations. Well- Thank you, but it will be while we're on tour so cool. nothing's gonna get solved until after tour so well at least you're putting it to the ultimate test you know yeah that's true and so far i just want to say i have not ha- i don't want to you know knock on whatever wood you have everybody but um uh i have not had any fainting spells at nighttime yet and so that's my big hope that as long as i don't have fainting spells during the night i'm okay because that's when we have shows and i would mm. really like to not faint in front of everybody on stage so um I keep telling myself it's just like 16 or 17 shows. And if I can just get through those 16 or 17 nights, we're in the clear, at least until the fall, maybe, or something. So yeah. um, that's all I need to do is just learn how to control it enough to make those 16 nights really worth it. And we'll figure out the rest from there. But I will leave it on a good reason why I drink this week because I am always such like a medical bummer these days. But um, so I'm wearing a shirt that I wear pretty often where mm-hmm. it's a little cartoon house. For people on YouTube, I'm showing you. But for people who can't see, it is a little cartoon house. And at the top of it, it says, in this house, we respect people's pronouns. Mm -hmm. I always get comments on it, good or bad. I always get 
an opinion whenever I wear this shirt in public. That's my least favorite kind of shirt to wear, by the way. (laughs) Well, actually, you know who inspired me is Blaze because he wears shirts like this. He does, you know, and we do get actually in Kentucky, we've only gotten good comments, which is, I mean, again, knock on wood, but we've gotten quite a few people out of car windows. And yeah, he had some cool ones. Well, he inspired me because I was like, if a straight white cisgender man can do it, I can do it. In Kentucky, by the way. In Kentucky. Ballsy. (laughs) Uh, Maybe I couldn't do it in Kentucky, but I can certainly do it in Los Angeles and not sure. be like a wimp about it. So um, I was wearing this shirt yesterday to a museum and all the docents there were um, at an age where I was assuming either correctly or wrong, wrongly, uh, I was stereotyping the whole and all of these people were older where I assumed that they probably would not side with my shirt. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and I wrongly assumed about one woman who was probably, she was definitely in her 70s at least. Um, but I guess she read my shirt from far away. And as I came up to her, I guess she'd she been called waiting. the police. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she'd been waiting for me to approach her, I guess, so like so I could she could be within talking range. And she went, I really like your shirt. And it says, um, in this house, we respect people's pronouns. She says, I really like your shirt. The only grammar I care about is the Oxford comma. And I went, same. Girl, Girl. that's that's a line that I hope to use for the that's rest of time now. That's a good fucking line. And uh, she said that she even had an argument with her grandson during Christmas <gasps> about how pronouns are important. Fuck yeah. And how the Oxford comma is just as important. And I went, Amen. okay, you keep inserting your little narrative in and I appreciate it. And so I love it. Anyway, that's my my feel good reason why I drink this week because I I I felt bad that I wrongly assumed something about a person, um, but you know I'm I'm used to getting kind of nasty looks from that demographic, sure. and she really uh she made my my whole day with that. So oh, that's, that's wonderful. Why I, drink. I love that. What are you drinking? Just water? Oh, oh cold, you're drinking cold, your cold brew. Cold brew. Don't, I'm drinking. Don't you forget it. I'm drinking some of my gallon of water. So great. Good for you. You're healthier Wee. than me today. Well, uh, Christine, mm. I know you've got a little bit of a lengthy story today, mm-hmm. and I've got a little bit of a shorty, so oh. we didn't even plan that. That just worked out very nicely for us. Oh, good. Also, I, I, I'm, like, really loving my voice right now because oh. it keeps, like, cracking a little bit because um, I don't know if you heard. I'm sure you didn't, but the Bengals won their first playoff game last week, and I got to go. Um, oh. And so I lost my voice, but now I'm, like, Phoebe on Friends where, like, I find it much more charming when my voice goes up it like cracks a little bit and the, I'm like, the, the raspy so flip sultry. is what i yeah, call that raspy yeah. um so i just realized i went oh oh and it like did that so um just for anyone who's wondering um if you scream for like four hours straight it, it might happen to you too well if anyone here is uh interested in some satisfying raspy asmr they will mm-hmm. be immediately fast forwarding through my part and going straight <laughs> to, to you. my long story by the end i will just be whispering so it might be actual <laughs> asmr bad asmr by the actual... by the end you'll have emailed me your notes and it'll have <laughs> done you a, read it forced to hear me anyway <laughs> 
It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Juni, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues, and Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So, okay, I'll do I'll do my quick little story and I don't even know what to call it. It's more of a mystery. It's kind of no! got a cryptid vibe to it, but it's more of a mystery. And this is the story of the Van Meter Visitor. What the fuck? This sounds like a a, cr- a criminal. It sounds like a uh, a stalker or something. It is very vague. And it's actually vague on purpose. Um, huh. So, I will tell you about that in a little bit, but um, it's called the Van Meter Visitor because it's in Van Meter, which is in central, oh, o- not Ohio, Iowa. For some reason, those sound the same in my brain. Yes. Iowa, Ohio, whatever. I mean, they're close enough. Um, Van difference. Meter, central Iowa, and it's 19 miles west of Des Moines. Um, so this is in 1903. Uh, fun fact, the population at the time was about 400 people. There was uh, other sources that set up to 900, but the census says 400. So we're going to rock with that. So this is uh, late 1903. This is, uh, or I guess on its way to being late, September 29th. And it's the first story comes around at 1 a.m. And there's a man. He is 35. His name is Ulysses G. Griffith. Which Ulysses got... S. Ulysses. Never mind. Ulysses Are you about Grant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got really thrown off because that's like the only besides like you know the book. That's the only Ulysses. What book? What book? <laughs> What Ulysses it, is oh is there a book called Ulysses? <laughs> okay, I was like, am I like having a yeah yes there is yes. <laughs> sorry, it, you're talking. To, I don't know if you know this, but I'm not like the biggest reader. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, I thought you were like I, I don't know. I, I thought, thought you meant for, the Bible. 
because you said <laughs> the book, and I was like, Ulysses. Is, I thought oh, his name was the Jesus. Good book. No, no, no. Uh, the like the like the James Joyce. Okay, it doesn't matter. Anyway, you said the book as if like universally far and wide we all know of the book, and I was the like, book Ulysses. <laughs> I meant I only I know under- of the I book understand. and the Grant. <laughs> I understand now, but I definitely was like the book. She's must to be, be talking clear, about the I Bible. haven't read the book. Apparently, it's like a really tough read. Okay, so hmm. Okay, good to know. Well, <laughs> between the two of us, you're bound to read it before me. So tell me uh, how it yeah, goes someday in the afterlife, maybe. So Ulysses, not the book, the person G Griffith, who I like that his initials spell UG. Um, <laughs> he Ah. would sell farm tools that was his job and at 1 a.m he is walking down main street on his way home he so basically as he's going down the road he sees this very bright light um glowing on one of the building's rooftops Mm. and keep in mind this is 1903 there's not like fairy lights and you know battery someone has their catio set up to be all like (laughs) automatically lit up at night yeah exactly so he sees a light and he's like well that's a newfound thing i've never (laughs) seen in my life fangled contraption (laughs) and um he it's a very bright light and he says it's way too bright to be an oil lantern Mm. i would imagine so i can't could you really see an oil lantern light from a few blocks down up? Mm, like probably not. I mean, it would look like a firefly, like a tiny yeah, little thing. Yeah, be really distant. So he sees this bright, growing, glowing light. He says it's way too bright to be an oil lantern, and he has a hunch for some reason that it's something bad. He thinks maybe there's robbers that broke into this building or something. Again, Ooh. this makes no sense to me because I feel like we took quite a leap from like. What's that light? It must be robbers. Okay, but, but like, imagine like how irrational your your mind would trying to ra- be rationalizing this. You know, I feel like you'd be like, oh gosh, like because my mind as a very anxious person would probably be like, cool, the world's ending, someone's getting robbed. You're right. I'm I don't thinking know. I feel to like... present day. I'm like, it's like, oh, it's a light. Who gives a shit? But yeah, if it's something more rare, like out of the ordinary, yeah. part of you would be like, what is happening? Um. Okay, yeah. so you're right. Thank you for humbling. I just feel me. like someone needs to stand up for you, for Ugg. So that's me. I'm doing. Well, he has it. a whole book apparently named after him. So he does, and a shoe brand, and a president. So he <laughs> had a hunch it was robbers, and on his way to go check it out, which I love that he checked it out because in my mind, if I saw robbers, I think I'd be like, okay, well, I'm gonna. He's step- a modern day hero, you know. I know. Well, I guess what was he gonna do? Use his cell phone and text the police he- <laughs> in 1903. <laughs> I guess it's up to you back then. So he heads towards the building and the light that he saw jumps off of the roof. Nah. Glides across the street like a little sugar glider. Lands on another roof. And at this point, Ulysses tries again. Why? Running after it to see what it is. I. A little reckless. A little reckless. (laughs) It was already weird to me that you were ballsy enough to run after multiple robbers in your Mm -hmm. head. And now you're going to run after this like sugar glider of light. Yeah. So he's running after it, but it keeps moving and eventually it floats up to the sky and vanishes. Hmm. The next day I wrote him as Ugg, which is hysterical, but I meant Ulysses. (laughs) Next day, Ulysses tells people what he saw. And again, he's one of those like, on the council, prominent businessmen, respected by the community people. So they believe him right away. Wow. And 
they're like, all right, that's kind of freaky. Anyway, have a good day, Ulysses. And <laughs> have a good day. Okay. <laughs> like, cool. Maybe you were just drunk or something. I don't know. Like, I, classic. It, yeah. They, they think it's weird and they believe him, but they're like, well, what are we going to do about that? And so the next night, um, which is now September 30th, 1903, it's after midnight, which is right around the same time as the previous night. The local physician, his name was Dr. Alcott, he wakes up to a very, very bright light coming through his window, mm. which that would freak me out more if it was coming from outside, because I'd Absolutely. be like, Absolutely. If it's not a torch, what is light doing outside at night? You know? Yeah, into my window? <laughs> Forget it. So the light totally freaks him out. He jumps out of bed, grabs his gun, and heads outside to chase it. Okay. Uh, why is everyone chasing these things? I, I, listen, I whatever. don't know. That did not evolve with us um into the present day no now, no I, we if like anything, lock the I've, door yeah i've learned i'm like i don't need to find out hide under the covers i'm like that's a funky light i hope someone else talks about it one day because <laughs> cool. i'm not gonna <laughs> so uh he runs outside to chase it down and outside he sees quote a half human half animal with great bat-like wings <gasps> and a giant blunt horn in the center of its forehead whoa and this light beam was coming out of the horn whoa my horn can pierce the sky <laughs> it can certainly pierce the darkness it was it like it does it was like he had his own little like natural headlamp How cute that's nice i love that he can't turn it off though clearly because he's like trying to <laughs> run away from everyone and i'm like just turn off your horn <laughs> i feel like like he's looking left to right trying to find like a place to hide and like it's just like light light seriously shoom, i hope shoom, nobody shoom. has epilepsy i mean damn <laughs> and this thing by the way is like trying to run from him like it's not even trying to like what's i want to know what until like these humans come in and like try to track it down what is he doing with his light yeah, i mean head? he's peering in windows what does he think's gonna happen i don't know maybe he's, he's looking for i don't maybe he's looking for something a normal flashlight so he doesn't don't have to look use in his my brain. bedroom the this light beam is coming from the horn and dr alcott shoots at this thing <gasps> Five times. Bang, 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 bang. But did I do it right? Yeah. Dope. But the creature seemed unbothered. He was like, I don't think so. <laughs> I like how he's bothered by getting somebody running after him, but not by a gunshot. Well, I think because he's like, these things without light beams on their horn are running after oh, me. Oh, I see. What are these they? bangs I don't recognize. And those probably do have a little light when they come out, so... <laughs> actually yeah yeah so uh alcott uh runs inside and locks the doors and he sits with his gun until morning terrified that this thing is going to try to get him the next day nothing happened surprise surprise dr alcott tells people what he saw and now there are two respected men in town who are saying mm. this stuff mm -hmm. people are very uncomfy and the next day at 1 a.m basically 24 hours later on october 1st a man named Clarence Dunn, who goes That's by Leona's Pete. birthday. That's lovely. What was I going to say about that? I don't, I don't know, remember. but you didn't seem happy that I said it, and I apologize for interrupting. No, I have pretzels next to me, and I was, <laughs> it was not you. It was a delay, and my, my animal brain went from snacks to my human brain at work, and I was like, oh, I have to say something. Oh, man. <laughs> so, I'm You're sorry. The two sides of the, the human brain, the snack side and the speaking side. Let's try it again. Okay. So yeah, on October you know, 1st. Yeah, that's Leanna's birthday. Shut the fuck up. 
You didn't know that? <laughs> I think I did, but I love the reminder. Um, also, the 30th, the day before, is Alexander's birthday. So we got a little Libra action happening here. You do realize, like, when she's older, you guys are just going to have to have midnight parties to celebrate both people. Honestly, that's exactly what I plan to do. But then each of them still want their own birthday. So we'll do, like, a, a cake on one side of midnight and a cake on the other side of midnight. <gasps> fun! An 11.59 and a 12.01. Isn't that's that fun. perfect? So, a question. Did you ever get him back with, like, the worst birthday you can ever imagine? Remember what? he gave you, like, the worst birthday? Oh, yeah. You know, I did, and then I filmed it, and then I never edited it because COVID hit, and I was like, I don't have time for that. But I have all of the files still on my computer. I forget what I even did. I think I went and bought him. I mean, this was his pre-veganism, so I'm sure I just went and bought him all of his least favorite foods. I don't remember. I don't remember him. I should go edit that together somehow. I feel like it was a great gift that he gave you. He that filled memory. a pinata with beans, like yeah, literal. That's a good brother. Beans. That's disgusting. And then made me stand out in the yard and hit it. You know what's disgusting? Him having to fill it, and you did not have to do that part. He, I'm just saying. he didn't I'm have to do that part here. either. Okay, I'm to be clear, nobody had to do he it. He went above and beyond to give you a memory. By the way, you know that oh, it is a me- give you a memory. It sounds like it, <laughs> that video is still on the Beach to Sandy YouTube, and it's heinous. And it was when I was turning twenty nine, and he like threw me a thirtieth birthday just to like really really rub it in it was incredibly rude he bought like those 30 balloons i'd always wanted the big balloons but he bought them for 30 instead of 29 it was very rude i think it's probably the most genius birthday i've ever heard and then he bought me non-alcoholic beer it was sick it was a really sick sick prank he pulled also if it was pre-covid that means it was 2019 so it was really pre-tiktok but in today's world that would have been a fucking hit i know maybe we should somebody it would have started a trend of like help like the anti-birthday yeah birthday yeah well somebody helped me edit that video into a tiktok and then hit me up october 1st leona's birthday 1 a.m there's this man named clarence dunn he goes by peter okay sure he was trying something i guess what's a nickname for clarence um rency are you telling the truth (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how would i know the nickname for clarence I feel like clarence is a name that obviously needs a nickname and i don't clary. know clary clary dog sea dog hang on a second i have to look this up because it's going to be crazy nickname what if it's peter <laughs> <laughs> well maybe that's why he picked peter because he was like there's no we're gonna good look nickname. like such dummies literally it means it literally the nickname is claire Okay, well, that didn't yeah, help. Claire, me. Clarence, yeah. Okay, so now I'm not as confused by Peter picking Peter. He's like, that'll do. He's like, Claire's not going to work for me. <laughs> okay, so now every time I meet a girl named Claire, I'm going to go, oh my God, is that true for Clarence? Oh, Clarence. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> okay, so Peter, he was a he was walking to work. He worked at a bank. He's walking to the bank. Why he's walking at 1 a.m., God help me. I don't know. Mm. Um, maybe back then you had to go in really early and manually count the money. I don't oh, know. <laughs> probably some shit like that or like open the vault with your hands. Yeah. One dollar bill, two dollar bill. And they <laughs> oh, just do no. it all day. Poor Peter. So um, having heard in town about the recent events from these other two well-respected guys, he was bringing a gun with him everywhere. And I feel like 1903, that was okay. And mm-hmm. in 2023, that's still okay in some places. It's apparently okay still. Yeah. <laughs> So he brought a gun with him to work thinking if they thought it was burglars and I work at a fucking bank, like I'm Mm -hmm. definitely going to be ready to go. So 
Uh, while walking, Peter hears this weird garbling sound. Sounds like something strangling, being strangled. And then he looks, he's at the bank already. So he looks through the window because he hears it coming from inside and he mm. sees the same bright light. Oh no. The light beams onto him and hits him smack in the face. And mm. when it, when the light kind of moves away, he has a moment where he sees this gigantic shape inside the bank. I would personally think you're seeing stars after being shot in the face with light like that. Yeah. And you wouldn't be able to see anything in the bank, but I guess he could still see this figure. And in this moment, he realizes something is in the bank and they're not supposed to be there. So he shoots through the window. <laughs> okay. So Peter goes in to the bank to see what exactly it is that he shot, but all he found inside were footprints. And these tracks were giant three-toed footprints which apparently peter plaster casted he just fucking had all that kit on him at 1 a.m with uh, his gun yeah i don't know i what, mean he already Bigfoot? shot through <laughs> he already shot through a window of his workplace into I, the inside so i feel like he's probably like well i'm gonna get fired anyway i might as well bring my plaster kit i guess so i just like that part i have a hard time believing where that's immediately the least believable part like this light with a made out of a horn on your head is more believable than this guy just carrying around at 1 a.m in 1903 a plaster cast i'm not gonna lie to you i agree like in what on what and also wait so he was was the creature like making indentations on the floor like how did he yeah like what it what did the floor of the bank look like in 1903 was it dirt (laughs) what is happening that's a great that's a maybe it was like maybe it was hardwood floor, but it had tracked mud in. But also, it apparently flies. Then how do you plaster cast that? Can you? Yeah, can you inverse plaster yeah, cast? Where know. instead of getting the hole of right. a track, it's can like you the, get the the ridges of a track? Maybe the thing had walked outside too, and so he's like, "Oh, I'll I'll plaster cast the one outside." Also, yeah, what happened when he shot, and it didn't? Obviously, the bullet didn't either hit this thing or it hit it, and it was impervious to it so then did the thing just kind of like waltz on out and like open the door and just kind of keep walking down so we the don't road? know it literally the next point they is just peak plaster cast the footprint he all that was left in the bank when he went to go look was footprints oh, so yeah man. like could you at least follow the footprints to see where they went like right so this bullet is probably my least believable bullet i think <laughs> yeah i'm struggling with this one yeah, this one, all of a sudden, I'm like, aha, uh-huh, we got to talk to Peter, who, real's name is Clarence, by the way, so everything right. is he's kind of he's already starting off on a shaky foot, in my in my mind. <laughs> a shaky foot? We should plaster cast it. Yeah! <laughs> I have Good a kit one. with me right now. Yeah, I, I know you do. do. That's the thing, is one of our dumbasses would carry a plaster kit around in our purse, or our, like, my turtle would definitely have a plaster casting kit in there. Between the two of us, I think we own just about one of everything at all times. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, we'd literally be set if we ever found a cryptid on the loose. I mean, except a gun. <laughs> Neither of us have that. So I feel like anything I would have else. The, I would have the plaster kit, but you would have like some weird surveillance downloaded on your phone. Because be like, oh, just already... with your weird internet creeping <laughs> abilities, yeah. you'd be like, give me 15 seconds. I got to get it in the bank surveillance system. <laughs> If there's anyone I needed to break into a vault, I know I would call you before Aww, anybody else. that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Thank you. Uh, so 
Yeah, so Peter goes in to see what was shot. There was nothing there except footprints, which he apparently plaster casted. <laughs> Even if he went back home to grab a plaster cast kit and came back, I would still be confused about this. <laughs> so later that night, um, there's a man named O.V. White who sure. he wakes up. He goes by Clarence. And- <laughs> that's what i'm guessing i'm just trying to get ahead of the yeah, story ov you know? stands for clarence peter actually i mean it's possible <laughs> so he wakes up to the sounds uh to these weird sounds outside of his home and his home is happens to be on main street where there's already been a sighting mm. so he grabs his gun he goes out to his window ready to shoot whatever it is that he sees which is such a risky opinion like mm. way to go mm-hmm. out and as soon as he uh, looks out the window, he sees this dark figure 15 feet away, and it Ugh. is sitting on the telephone pole. Oh. Ugh. What? Like Spider-Man or something. So he shoots it. He apparently... <laughs> like, everyone's shooting this thing, and nothing's working. He shoots it. He... I think he hit it, but the gunshot did nothing. In fact, this thing now shines its horn beam onto <gasps> OV and begins wreaking this horrible smell. Huh? What? So I don't know if the smell is like a defense mechanism, or maybe when you hit this thing, <gasps> it has a puncture wound for a second and starts breaking. I don't know. Okay, I like that theory. Either way, it seems relatively unharmed. So maybe it's like if you like scratch yourself and like a little blood comes out, maybe that's what a bullet does to this thing. His blood just smells really bad. Putrid, apparently. Yeah. Um, it was such a bad smell that it apparently stunned OV into blacking out the rest of the event. <laughs> Which, like, oh. she smelled like a dead fucking body, am I right? <laughs> oh, no. Now this thing's getting bullied psychologically, too. And by me, apparently. <laughs> by so, you. The gunshot did happen to wake up OV's neighbor, Sydney. So Sydney runs outside, because I think back then it was, like just loyalty like if i hear a gunshot i'm i'm shooting too or something but it depends on what side because this neighbor if he's shooting a gun i don't want anything to do with it this guy i want to see what's up yeah (laughs) yeah yeah if this guy owes me like 80 dollars in horseshoes or something then you know i whatever (laughs) horseshoes whatever they were dealing with in 1903 (laughs) so uh so his neighbor sydney who's apparently on his side uh runs outside sees the monster himself (gasps) Sydney says that the monster was climbing down the telephone pole. Oh, no. But it was climbing down, quote, like a parrot using its beak. Huh? So it was almost like biting its way down. Ew! You know what I mean? Why did that give me goose cam? I hate that visual. And when standing, once it landed on the ground, it was at least eight feet tall. (gasps) And its horn, this light beam, shined, quote, as bright as an electric headlight. What the fuck is going on? So instead of flying away, uh, which maybe it was hurt now, maybe he had shot it in a weak spot because we hadn't even heard the bad smell thing yet. Yeah. So maybe he is weakened in some way. Instead of the um, the creature flying away like it has in the past because it had these massive, apparently featherless wings, <gasps> so like bat wings almost, uh, he kind of flapped them, but instead of taking flight, um, oh, the early morning train passed by and the sound scared him. And so instead of flying away, he kind of like tucked in and ran on all fours. Ooh. And he runs out of the neighborhood or down the street and toward the old coal mines. And its wings were still flapping on its back as it ran away. That's 
traumatizing to witness. I'm sorry. That was a lot of information. I'm if scared. I saw that, if I saw that in real life, truly forget it. I'm, I, would, I would log off. I'm lo- I'm signing out. I'd be like, <laughs> good good night. I'm going to bed. And my AIM sound would go doo 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 or yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah, my away no, message is up it would for be, good. It would be the door slam sound. Oh, the door slam. <laughs> so depressing. Um, <laughs> mine, mine always went moo. And I you were was... a cow. Yeah, and I feel like it just annoyed everyone. Okay, here's the thing. There was um this one girl. I'm not going to say her name because I think she listens to the podcast. Uh-oh. You but know who you are. <laughs> I don't think she knows who she is, but Allison knows who she is because we accidentally ran into her last time we were in Fredericksburg together, and I went, that was the girl I had a crush on. I thought this girl hung the moon. And by the way, so did every other queer uh, person being raised female at the time. And Aww. every single guy, everyone, like she hung the moon. Everyone Aww. was in love with her. And... uh where was I going with this? I already got blinded by my memory of her. Oh, right. oh, oh, her AIM. I was always too scared to IM her. We weren't sure. close enough where I could just randomly IM her, except we were like on a sports team together. And that's all I'm going to say. And uh, so every now and then during that season, I could IM her and be like, oh, what what games next or whatever. And then I'd be like, oh, who blah, are blah. we and playing then, tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. Anything to get get through the door. Her AIM uh, walk in sound was the moo. And every time anybody had the moo, I would hear it from my laptop wherever <gasps> I was in the room and freak out and run to my computer hoping it was her. Remember and then that. and then I mean I'm sure this is like a universal experience, but like I would never even I am her. I would just sit there and gaze upon the fact that she oh, was yeah. online. And then the second she like would leave and like sign off, my heart would be broken even it though no moves were made. I'd it was like, like oh, the darkest man. thing and it's like well i wasn't gonna do anything right but i'm like i, I don't we felt I together we felt like we were in the same room for a I second i totally totally was the same way i would like hear the sound and run to my computer to see who it was and then like just like stare at their profile and like for hours and then i don't just know do, what yeah and do nothing about it i would do, do nothing. nothing about it i really wish there was still an aim day where like nobody texted nobody dms the only way you could communicate was aim i kind of want to relive aim with you like i feel like <gasps> we would have the most unhinged conversations homie you realize that aim still exists we could probably still sign on okay let's do that i would I'm love all- to my username is i'm always crazy 444 in case you forgot home size i i know <laughs> I'll find you. And I go, moo, and nobody waited till I logged on and stared at my profile. I well, can... what I'm saying is even if you, if it were you, anytime I heard the moo, I would come running to my computer hoping it was her. I love that I was just like Pavel- Pavlov's dogging you. Yeah. Um, if I ever heard a moo and we were friends, I would have, I would have been like, oh, it's just Christine. Like, but... God damn it, Christine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, where were we? I don't no, know. I I'm totally so sorry. I literally said I have such a long story today and then I immediately derailed every five seconds i wow i it's okay she i'm still thinking about i'm still thinking about her especially with um when allison met her in fredericksburg and it was with my mom it was just me my mom and allison to tell you but like she definitely knows who she is now if she's listening like how many people could this possibly be and like (laughs) she knows what her sound name her username sound was she i mean come on anyway where were we i don't know ov white (laughs) (laughs) oh man okay as i'm looking for my notes um tell me the name of one of your crushes oh oh boy okay there was 
Ian and Henry and Henry. I've never heard about Henry. What was he oh, like? Oh God, don't even get me started. What a mess. What a mess. I like the name Henry. I do too. Did we like him after, like, as an adult? Do we re- do we regret liking him? I don't know what whatever happened to him. To be honest, Henry, are you listening? No, I don't think so. <laughs> anyway, I found I found our spot. So the creature was now running on all fours toward the coal mines, its wings still flapping on its back. Ovi and his neighbor, Sydney, both told their stories, and Van, the town of Van Meter is now officially scared because five well-liked people have now all seen this thing, tried shooting at it, and nothing has stopped it. <sighs> now, theories are circulating. What could this thing be? And so one rumor was that it was even an antediluvian creature. <gasps> Which biblically is an animal pre Noah's Ark Great Flood. Mm. Um, that was like one random theory. Really, there are no solid guesses, but everyone's freaked out. Maybe because there's no solid guesses, so just the mystery of it is really mm-hmm. terrifying. People. Um, soon others reported very weird things, especially noises in the defunct mine shafts, which Ooh. have now become a. The, the mine shafts are near what's now a brick factory. So a lot of people working at the brick factory are saying there are some crazy things going on in those mine shafts, including sounds that, quote, sounded like Satan and his imps getting ready for battle. Oh, which like talk about flowery writing, though. Like, Seriously, they knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. Yeah. Um, if only they could describe the sound of the moo on AIM and just how it you've would already done that tickle for us. all of us. You've literally already painted the most beautiful picture with words today. <laughs> Thank you. All right, October third is that anyone's birthday, Christine? Mm, it's it's Mean some, Girls Day. I was gonna say it's probably some important date, and then I remembered about Mean Girls. Okay, so on October third, the whole town's wearing pink. It's one a.m. Mm. Mm. and there's this guy named J. L. Platt Jr. And he is the manager of the brick factory that's now either near the mines or is the mines. I think it's just near the mines. It's just near the mines. And he also reports as the manager, as like the guy running the show around here, he's like, no, no, there really are some crazy sounds going on in those mine shafts. Uh Uh-oh. I guess his employees were freaked out or maybe he wanted some clarity. So he goes looking in the shafts for these sounds. And That's he doesn't get good. very far because pretty much right away comes a monster out of the mineshaft. What? The monster everyone's been talking about. Oh, no. And a second smaller monster, his little baby. His imp. His little baby. Oh. I don't know if it's his baby or maybe it's like his little brother or something. But it, the, the, it, it seems a that they're a, a parent-child duo. Aww. Both with blinding horn lights. Now I got two of them to deal with. Oh, boy. So nearby employees report seeing this event happen where they come out of the mine shafts. Then they see the two creatures fly out of the mine shafts and disappear into the night sky. <sighs> so now the people of Van Meter know that these things are living in the old mine shafts. So what's the next obvious move? Say it with me. Start a mob. So wait, at dusk, it, it, I'm not even kidding. It literally glitched right when you said whatever you just said. <gasps> They started a mob. Started a mob. Okay, I heard they sob. <laughs> and I said they sobbed. Yeah, I guess I would also sob. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what else there is to do. But okay, I guess I was wrong. Started a mob. Got it. Um, 
pitchforks, torches, the whole nine yards? I imagine so. Really, any weapon you could grab. Oh, which... my God. I just figured it out. It's that fucking guy. Who is the first guy? What? Sorry. <laughs> Who is the first guy in your story? Um, I'm sorry. His name is Ulysses. You, what the, Ulysses, <laughs> he's behind all of it. He sells farm equipment. Oh. <gasps> he sold those pitchforks to every single member of this town. Christine, I think I'm you just, just cracked the case. Listen, I'm in That's... the mainframe. <laughs> I'm telling you, look, I I'm t- I was not kidding that like you could crack a bank vault just by thinking about it for five <laughs> seconds. That was amazing. <laughs> I mean, listen, selling farm equipment, suddenly everyone needs a pitchfork. It just kind of writes itself, you know. Whip them I... up into hysteria. I would give anything to be able to time travel back to 1903 right now. And... <laughs> Hot off the press, we have cracked the case. Okay, but here, get get this. This what? was my other theory. What? That what? this monster thing is literally a time traveler who just has like a headlamp. Shut and the fuck up, Christine. So if you go back now, Am you're the, the monster? monster and we're just completing the circle. Oh my god. Oh Stop my it. god. You're I, the monster. I knew it. I'm itchy with excitement. Hang on. <laughs> I'm so impressed with your brain. It is... <laughs> everyone's like that makes no sense christine but m is my biggest hype man (laughs) i'm so proud of every single thing you've ever done um including this exact moment i'm like you were the (laughs) smartest person i've ever met Well, you're the monster so we should all be applauding you really that's me oh and i brought leona with me by the way oh (laughs) it's her birthday she had to come um Hmm. What are we to do? What are we to do? I guess we finished the story, but I don't really want to. Oh, okay. oh. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about AIM again. Man, I really lost my track. Oh, I was going to say, obviously, the time travel part is a bit of a stretch, but I think you are absolutely fucking on to the farm. I mean, thing that makes just, so much sense. I'm just saying, I don't know. I'm just saying he should have at least been interrogated just a little bit. He should have at least explained himself when he bought like a Porsche the following year. And everyone was like, where did he get the money for that? You know, it's like and like the Porsche tractor or whatever the equivalent was. At the Sometimes time. I don't know why I'm on this show because I you're just the funny. Like, what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I just I think I, I throw so you. Shit. I think I I think I lob you the hitters and then you knock them out of the park. <laughs> you're so full of shit. <laughs> OK, so you're the funny um, one. We all know it i really am still trying to figure out what i am on this show besides just the helping monster. you shine oh okay i can that's fine okay so they start a mob with apparently a pitchforks that for some reason say ulysses grant or something yeah. on the bottom uh, they say ug it was the first ug brand <laughs> <laughs> fucking christine Schieffer, shut up like let me have um no i'm i guarantee you i'm pissing everyone off they're like can you just let em tell the fucking so story you're not pissing me off at all. I'm just getting madder and madder that every funny thing comes out of your mouth, like nonstop. <laughs> I'm sorry. That I stopped line, interrupting. That, that was a good line. That was a good one. Oh, I can't wait you. to be funny again, Christine. You'll see. They'll all see. Just wait so, till my story about murder. Then you can really shine. You know what? I would love to have to tell a murder and then you throw curveballs like this know, at me because it's be not so easy. Bad. I would be screwed. I wonder if people think you're the funny one because you have more opportunity have to be ample, the funny one. Ample opportunity. Yeah. People think I'm probably just so dry because like, no, nope. oh, am, how am I going to make murder funny? You tell Has me. anybody ever combined the words M and dry in a sentence? I don't think so. My dermatologist. But other than oh, that. Oh, a zinger. Another classic zinger from DM <laughs> Schultz. Here we go. Hmm, just hitting myself wherever <laughs> I can. Just going for it. Okay. Mob. 
pitchforks ugh Mm. at dusk the townspeople got together here's the other weird plan that they had the pitchforks i almost understood because like at least that's what a a mob does when they're chasing a cryptid Mm -hmm. the other thing they do they turn on every light in town (gasps) i don't know why that doesn't make sense (laughs) i don't know why the, they say the reason of the goal, the, or the reason, is that the goal was to hopefully scare the monsters away from their homes. But these are monsters who fucking love light. They have it in their That's heads. Their whole thing. Their whole thing is they like light. I feel right? like if there's lights everywhere, then how are you going to differentiate the lights from the monster light, Christine? I'm just saying. When you I know? tell you, your brain is always on top of it. I mean it here too. Oh, really? Because. That's what I thought. I was like, if it's going to, why wouldn't you want it to be pitch black so you can see like a Batman signal yeah, hitting the you're sky? you're going to start pitchforking everything in sight. I, okay, raspy voice, relax. I know, wasn't little... that good? I liked it. Was that on purpose? No. I don't know uh, how to, I wish. Okay, so they turn on all the lights because apparently that will really just scare them. Sure. And after all the lights were on, which by the way, it's 1903. That's like three lights. <laughs> like three oil lights and they're like <laughs> look at us go <laughs> i think everyone just wanted to brag about their lights so yeah, they somebody turn got on a new fireplace or something it's like they turn on their candles whoop. <laughs> and the mob after they turn on all the lights in town they why wouldn't you just wait till morning like but that's natural light you wouldn't you have to turn any of your lights on oh yeah but i guess he only comes out at night which is extra stupid because if you if he doesn't come out during the day, why would you want to make it look like day so he yeah. won't come out? But then also if you think, oh, but if you turn on all the lights, then they'll think it's day. I don't, I don't know. Just absolutely the most backwards thinking I've ever heard in my life. Mm. So anyway, th- apparently they think this will make them want to fly around even though it's never been seen once in yeah. the day. Yeah. And the mob stands by the brick factory and waits for the creatures to come out of the mines to f- begin their day and fly around the sky as if they ever have done that. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> they waited all night for these creatures to come out of the mine shafts until sunrise. And at 6 a.m., all of a sudden, the two creatures finally not fly out of the shafts to like begin their day but are returning home and fly (gasps) into their shafts which makes so much more sense because it's about to be daylight so now they're going to go hide and hang out at night yeah hang on now my brain's confused anyway i don't know how it works but they are flying back in and as they're flying towards the mob to get to their mine shafts the they just open fire on these creatures in the sky Apparently, the level of intensity of this attack, quote, would have sunk the Spanish fleet. So, which, like, I don't know about that. I think that was a man talking about his one experience in battle. He also had one candle in his house. So it's (laughs) fine. Like, relax, guy. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so apparently they really shot at these things. But the creatures, although making terrible noises and once again began to wreak a horrible stench, um, they were pretty much unharmed and flew right into the shafts and it just Ooh took cover. God. So now the town knows for sure that their defenses are not working on these creatures. Reminder, these creatures, by the way, haven't done anything That's what to I anyone. was going to say. Have they hurt anybody? No, They've right? hurt or damaged nothing. They've huh. hurt nobody. They're just existing. Sometimes maybe like their light flashes under your eyes, but that's it. 
And that's it. And so and now the whole town wants them murdered. Hmm. Terrified anyway, the mob tries to barricade the mine shafts before the next nightfall to keep the monsters away from Van Meter. So now just like trapping them in there until horrible, they die. burying them alive. And a local reporter called H.H. Phillips, he wrote about the events and he's actually, he printed the only source published story on the monster, um, which was that day, 10-3, um, October 3rd's Des Moines Daily News. So, fun fact. And after that night, the monsters were never seen again. So I guess they were successfully buried Oh, alive. that's horrible. Or I like to think, I mean, they've got like lighthouses on their heads right so like maybe they can teleport and they just moved away maybe they found another exit i really hope so because that's really sad maybe they found a shovel from ulysses uh down in there and just dug their way out i hope so that next week the same paper the des moines daily news tried to do damage control about the situation and they said that hh phillips who wrote all about this experience they said that his account was greatly exaggerated, which I wonder why the Des Moines Daily News was okay with him writing that story. But yeah. then the next week had to go, never mind. He, we, our editor wasn't in town or something last week and that slipped through the cracks. Yeah. What is that about? I don't know. But after this, the town was worried that this would hurt local business. And the general consensus ever since has been that the lights were just burglars or pranksters. Um, one theory is that they were extraterrestrials, which uh, is my favorite one. Um, yep. One paranormal investigator named Chad Lewis said that the strange lights in the sky had been reported in Iowa for the last decade. In fact, one set of mysterious lights in Iowa was heavily reported on in 1897, which was not even 10 years before <gasps> this event. So weird. So something has been going on within those 10 years. And I'm just it thinking just... Iowa cornfields, crop mm-hmm. circles. I don't know. There's something it's, there. It's a perfect space for someone to crash like land. Not super populated, like uh, dense population wise. Mm-hmm. I mean, some, I some also think that the, it could just be two birds. There were, I don't know why they have fucking <laughs> headlamps on but um <laughs> two eight foot tall birds yeah well so they think it could be the sandhill crane or the whooping crane but we're a crane always bird. saying this about mothman all right i'm done with this it's a crane and if so um the if they if it really was a crane the light on its head the one horn in the middle of its head like a unicorn the no feathers on its wings the eight foot height and being bulletproof are all very wild exaggerations that it's almost as if it's not a crane at all um only the wings are the accurate parts of that story yeah the same guy chad lewis also um he said whatever it is the most important part is just digging up the cryptid lore because it can inspire interest in local history so even though some people thought it might hurt local business it could help because it could drive tourism in he also is the one that coined the name van meter visitors purposefully choosing a neutral name because they never did any harm there's no reason to make them seem bad i like that immediately i said it sounds like a serial killer slash stalker like clearly i did not find it a neutral name (laughs) oh i think you are primed uh that's true like that that's true and there's some other people who you know don't think that they didn't cause any harm so they're in 2013 one local named jelena walker she said i believe there is a god so i believe there is a demon and i think it's evil so calm down jelena jelena really has an opinion in 2013 like a lot she just wants to get her pitchfork out i think 
literally over a hundred years later, she is convinced that this oh, is demonic. So Jelena and I probably wouldn't get along. No. Um, of course, Van Meter, Iowa is now the host of the Van Meter Visitor Festival. Of course. And Travel Iowa says that the festival has, quote, guided monster walking tours, paranormal presentations. Why have we not been invited? Monster themed games, drinks, food and more. Hello. Can we go to this? I'm not even joking. I would love to. And I've never been to Iowa. Just to um, end this properly, I have a little picky for you. Whoa. That is not what I pictured. Me either, but I mean, I guess maybe it's because it's like currently on all fours, but I guess if we were standing, it kind of oh, looks like yeah. what I thought. I mean, it's a bird with bat wings and a flashlight but on its, its head. its head looks like a dinosaur. It looks like a dinosaur, this thing. See, I think of it as like, a, it just looks like a featherless bird. What, what's know. wrong with its head, though? I don't know. It looks like a parrot's head to me. Really? I, I think it looks like a skull. Oh, well, maybe. Well, <laughs> we'll post it on Instagram. Yeah, everyone decide if it's a you let me know dinosaur or a bird. I don't know. I like. I, think it's a I mean, birds both. are dinosaurs, so I, it does kind of. That's true. Uh, match it looks up. like a like a like a pterodactyl with a flashlight on its head, a right? laser beam on its head. Yes, that's. Oh, exactly. speaking of pterodactyl, can I tell you? My so my aunt is really going through it right now. Also oh, medically, she just no. she's in the hospital right now, oh, and I no. found this. Uh, I found this place where you could customize stuffed animals and send them to people in the hospital. How cute. And I got her this stuffed pterodactyl. <gasps> and on the belly, I wrote, stop feeling terrible. And terrible has a P. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. Like pterodactyl. That's I the was- cutest thing I ever heard. I was like, I'm pretty sure this is the best stuffed animal that's ever existed. So I'm pretty sure you should uh, sell that well, idea. If people would like to use that idea, if you find yourself a stuffed pterodactyl and you that's- can write something on the belly. It's really adorable. It's really adorable, Em. Oh, thank you. All right. Well, anyway, that is the Van Meter Visitor. Well, I was only nine hours and ten minutes, so if you want to drive over there. Oh, hey, okay, yeah. And we can do that on the way to the Mothman Festival or It's a totally opposite, but you know We should just do a um a cryptid festival road trip. And oh, because we also have to do is it Kentucky that has the Kelly Hopkinsville? Uh Uh-huh. That one I would love to go to as well. That one's close. We should actually one thing we should do for 2023 is actually have a calendar of all of the cryptid festivals and see if we can get to as many as we can. I would love I, to do that. I would. I'm not I would kidding. love to make 2023 our cryptid festival year. I'm really into that. I too am really into that. It's a great idea. Eva, call Eva. Mothman. Write it down. Get call Bigfoot the... on the horn immediately. <laughs> call the nearest crane <laughs> or whatever <laughs> sandhill crane oh, anyway that is uh that's that's all i have to say my friend and oh. you dropped something that looked it sounded expensive it was it your was, cold beer wasn't it no it was a gallon of water <gasps> was it open yes eva not eva christine <laughs> oh freudian slip eva call dyson <laughs> Call Bounty, the quilted quicker picker-upper. Not an ad. (laughs) I actually have a a roll right next to me. 
Also not an ad. But it, I, if they will want to send me some, because I use a lot of them, as you can <laughs> we imagine. We spill a lot. In this house. <laughs> oh, Allison's aunt, who's also in town, she accidentally spilled like her cup of coffee on me yesterday. Oh. And she felt so bad about it. And she was like, I'm so clumsy. And I was like, I promise to God, I am so much clumsier. Like, yeah. this is not worth your time being the stressed about. The least of it. Yeah. You're lucky you spilled on M, of all people. Yeah, on my black pants that won't even go stained. Yeah. Um. Are you good? Do you need to clean up a gallon of water? No, like, honestly, I already cleaned this sofa from the wax that I got all over it, which, by the way, the paper towel trick worked so much better than I thought. The putting an iron on it? Yeah, with ironing mm-hmm. it, just, like, immediately came out. Oh, that's why this paper towel rolls here. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, um, my God. But, yeah, so dumping water on it is, like, pff, nothing. <laughs> Explore new possibilities, pleasure zones, and find your vibe at funlove.com. Funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Funlove. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first, and then when I pulled out a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything, I'm telling you, from sexy perfumes, to toys, to vibrators, to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace Courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com slash drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Anyway. Okay. Here we go. I have a story for you now. This is the story of... The Connecticut River Valley Killer. Oh. Serial killer. Ooh, okay. Yep. I I say ooh, but I also mean ooh. I know. I think it's been a while since I've done a serial killer, so I don't know how How, long. But How many victims? Can you tell us in advance how many victims there were? Mm, I think seven confirmed. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Okay. So this took place between 1978 and 1988, which I do feel like is the serial killer prime time like i feel like 70s are known as like the big serial killer time like when that emerged as like a massive thing 
Another thing I would like you to cover if you ever do like a history presentation mm-hmm. episode is why the 70s was such a big time for serial yeah. killers compared to today. I do believe in like the um, Roe v. Wade argument. There's like, I mean, I know what I, Roe v. Wade is. But what's no, the... no. But there's like an art. There's an argument that before we had Roe v. Wade, a lot of people were having children when they couldn't and they weren't either. I'm not going to say it as eloquently as a lot of other people. But they just there either wasn't enough access to give that kid the best life or they weren't being they were being neglected or they mm. um, it, it all kind of turned out in a way where um, I guess the, the kids just kind of had they had those women had access to abortions when they wanted them. Mm. Um, so many children I don't know what the right. I know what right you're saying. Word. So basically, like, so, like so many people back then had kids when they didn't want them, and there was an influx in children, and we didn't have more of a control properly our... cared for, or exactly. And that it is one of the running theories that there's a, that's why there was so much higher crime in certain spaces, and mm. um, but then when we had uh access to abortion and people could control whether or not they were ready for a kid or if they wanted a kid again this is this is just only some people had um that access but um all of a sudden crime rates went down in the future and all this stuff so you can predict based on abortion laws 20 years into the future what crime rates will look like there was some just like documentary short i saw on it but i i wonder if that contributed to That's the serial very killer era. very interesting um sorry for like jumbling through that i like no, was trying to remember as i was saying no it, it's so. a hard thing to explain i feel like that does make sense i mean i definitely want to look into that because yeah it would make sense that if you're unable and and you know i this is all conjecture on my part but i have to imagine that if you were to give up your child for adoption in like the fifties or not even necessarily adoption, but just like to a home for children, I imagine standards were different then than they are now. Um, Even mental health, like you couldn't, you know, they thought like lobotomies were good for you. And so like, if you, a lot of people that you've covered happen to have head injuries or something, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe they just say like, Oh, he got knocked around. He's fine now. And like, you don't realize, I don't know. That could be a whole other thing on top of, Roe v. Wade, but I saw a. It was like one of those fascinating. It was one of those TikToks where it was like a multi-parter, but it was, you know, it was fascinating that like I just found something interesting that matches kind of what you're saying. Um, but it's more about the parents. So this is from Rolling Stone. Um, so this guy, uh, Vronsky, who began studying serial killers, Peter Vronsky, criminal justice expert. Uh, he has deduced that serial killers generally develop the personality and compulsion benefiting a killer when they're young. Mm-hmm. By the time they're 14, they're basically fully formed. They generally start killing in their late 20s. As such, he looked back at what ha- was happening in the world when murderers like John Wayne Gacy, Jeffrey Dahmer, and Ted Bundy were growing up and discovered a link. They were all born during wartime. In cases, for example, like the BTK killer, Dennis Rader, Richard Cottingham, the torso killer, their fathers were returning war veterans with PTSD, which was not a diagnosable illness until the 80s. In short, these children were already predisposed to violence and were raised in potentially violent, likely broken homes. Mm. Yikes. And that does fit, I feel like, with what you're saying. Um, I mean, not necessarily maybe a direct correlation, but... It definitely would make sense that there would be more neglect if if children were, you know, unable to be cared for or were yeah. not wanted. 
there's definitely something on it. I don't, not that like uh, access to abortion causes more or less serial killers, but it was like a general crime. And right. so, but I don't know if based on the era, I think it was also in Freakonomics or something where it said like you could always predict like 20 or 30 years ahead based on the laws today because those kids are going to grow up. And so, Whoa. anyway, um, didn't mean to totally derail us, but I would love for you to eventually do a, like a presentation on like the intersectionality of the 70s Absolutely. and why there was such a because i mean a it's crime called, time because obviously there are serial obviously looking back it's like oh we know all the big names whereas i assume in 30 years we could probably 50 years look back at today and be like we know the big names from now you know so mm-hmm. i do I, I can see that but it is called the golden age of serial killers yikes um yeah so you know i mean here's just one more example connecticut river valley um Yep. This guy was active starting in 78 uh, all the way to 88. He was a serial killer who terrorized the Connecticut River Valley in New Hampshire and Vermont. And he would stalk a stretch of Interstate 91 where he abducted women from the roadside and then stabbed them to death. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's really heinous. So the interstate runs along 255 miles of the Connecticut River, and the killer would abandon his victims in the woods along the banks of the Connecticut River. Now, this is the most frustrating part. The identity of the Connecticut River Valley killer is still unknown to this day. Of course. Of course. Of course. And it is one of the most haunting cold cases of New England, for obvious reasons and today we're going to cover uh the crimes and the victims and one potential suspect okay Okay. so there are seven confirmed victims associated with the killer they are all women aged 17 to 38 there was Catherine kathy milliken 26 mary elizabeth critchley bernice cordemanche ellen ruth freed eva marie morse linda m moore barbara agnew 38. So mm, okay. in May of 1984, 17-year-old Bernice Cordemanche lived with her boyfriend, Teddy Barry, and his parents in Claremont, New Hampshire. Bernice's home life had been a little rocky, so she moved in with her boyfriend's family, the Barrys, and started working as a nurse's aide at the Sullivan County Nursing Home. Teddy's family said Bernice was a joy to have around. His parents started to see her as their own daughter, like she folded right into the family. Mm. Um, And Bernice and Teddy were already talking about marriage. They were really close, and she loved being a part of his family. So let's just start on a depressing-ass note. I was going to say, I don't want to get too attached. (laughs) I know. I know. It's horrible. Yeah. One afternoon, Teddy invited Bernice over to his sister's place in Newport after work. At three o'clock, she asked a coworker for a ride home where she had a snack and picked up some stuff for the night. Then Teddy's dad offered Bernice a ride, but she said no thanks. She would just hitchhike the 10-mile drive to Newport. So Bernice was only days away from taking her driving test, and she would then be able to drive herself. But in Mm. the meantime, she regularly hitched rides. Uh, She never had any issues. This was just like day to day at the time. Not a big deal to hitch a ride. Very safe area. New Hampshire was famous for its low crime rates and overall safety, even at a time like we were just saying when violent crime in the U.S. was at an all-time high. Mm Mm-hmm. So in recent years at the time, several young girls like age 13 and under had already been abducted and murdered in Mm. the area. 
but that killer was caught and it was chalked up to, you know, being young and defenseless little girls. And so Bernice was older, you know, she, she was 17. She could hold her own. So nobody can like, nobody worried basically when she said she would hitch a ride. So Bernice uh, said, I'm just going to hitch a ride. Don't worry about it. And she never showed up to Newport. When it started to get dark, Teddy and his brother-in-law drove around looking for her and they figured, well, maybe she just got unlucky hitching and she'd still be on the roadside waiting for someone to pick her up. So we'll probably just spot her along her usual path. But of course, they could not find her anywhere. Um, They thought she must have changed her plans and like maybe didn't have access to a landline and so wasn't able to update them. Um, She was a very independent girl. And so this that becomes kind of a, a... through line uh through all of these victims very independent um and so they just said oh well maybe she just made up her mind to go somewhere else so they went to bed but when bernice was still a no-show the next morning they called the police and filed a missing persons report pretty quickly a report came in that a witness saw bernice get into a white pickup truck with two or three men inside but teddy was skeptical about this because even though she regularly hitchhiked she had rules where she would take rides from women um was cautious around men and would absolutely never take a ride with more than one man in the vehicle so he was like that doesn't really match up that's not how she would have done this a few days later another witness said he had seen bernice uh who he recognized from the newspaper's missing persons report getting out of a white ford across the river from lebanon new hampshire in vermont And this would place her 18 miles north of her destination, which is a strange sidetrack. Yeah. Teddy's mother, this is horrible, started having nightmares about Bernice being lost in the woods. So God, I know. I I mean, the helpless feeling there, I can't imagine. So she started going out on her own, just hiking everywhere and looking for Bernice, thinking she must be out here somewhere. Terrible. And of course, there was no sign of the girl that she had hoped would become her daughter-in-law. Like, that's how close they were. Leads dwindled and things started to seem hopeless. And unfortunately, uh, that year, Bernice was not the only girl to go missing. So 26-year-old Ellen Ruth Freed was working as a nurse at the Valley Regional Hospital that same year. And one day in July, a call came in to police that a car was abandoned on a dirt road in the woods. Okay. Uh, police figured it belonged to Ellen, but she was nowhere to be found. And then Ellen didn't show up for work. And her coworkers said she was highly dependable and always considerate. So this was unlike her to just disappear. Ellen was known as being empathetic and caring. And like Bernice, she was fiercely independent and very brave, especially like mm. at the time, you know. Um, you know, we're talking like 50 years ago. Uh, it was just less likely to be, I think, described as independent as a woman. Sure. Back then. God forbid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they meant it in a good way, but I just feel like it wasn't as common of a trait necessarily. So Ellen had moved to town after breaking it off with her longtime boyfriend, and she aspired to a life of travel and freedom. She loved when friends brought their kids over to visit. Neighbors would hear her playing banjo on summer nights. And nobody wanted to think of someone as kind-hearted as Ellen being in trouble. It was just, like, such a horrible thought. So a search party of over 30 police and fish and game officers searched the woods where her car was found. And 
the theory, the hopeful theory that she was lost just started to kind of dwindle because they couldn't find her. Um, Also, this area of woods was pretty sparse and pretty bare. So uh, they kind of searched the whole thing and couldn't find her. One officer even said a child couldn't even get lost in there. So that's that's how scary this was that they couldn't find her. It was very dark. So, unfortunately, every possible lead on Ellen quickly fizzled out, and now there were two missing women in Claremont, and the following year, 1985, there would be a third. So, 27-year-old Eva Morse is described by people who knew her as, and I want to be clear, I don't know if it's Eva or Ava, um, but Mm -hmm. I'm so used to saying Eva that I'm just going to go with Eva. Sure, sure. So, Eva Morse was described by people who knew her as tough, athletic, and energetic, Um, she grew up at the time as quote, one of the boys and she loved hiking, swimming and sports. Uh, she was known to reject the norm. Uh, so she was labeled a tomboy. She was also queer and she was fat, all of which were very uncommon labels for women at the time. And when she was a kid, her dad had remarried. She came from like a pretty troubled situation because her new stepmom wanted nothing to do with his quote old children oh and so she was just totally cast aside by her own family like yeah just totally dismissed and she ended up moving in with her half-sister noreen who was 14 years older than her and so eva got pregnant when she was 17 and had a baby named jenny she left high school to work and basically the people who knew her said everything she ever did, she did for Jenny. Like Jenny was literally oh. the most important thing in her life. Okay. Eva started dating women and her family's reactions varied. Um, there are a lot of labels from the time that label her as a lesbian, but like we don't really know because these are just – Right. She was known to date both men and women, so it's like, you know – Also, does... if she were one of the boys, for all we know, it – that could have been how she identified right exactly like so there's there's like no clear i mean basically what i'm saying is i'm not comfortable labeling her as anything sure queer 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 openly queer yeah Yeah. exactly so there were you know this i feel like also labels change so much over the decades like who knows you know just lesbian in the 80s is like such a vague term yeah um so Noreen, her sister, who was she, who she lived with, struggled to understand the situation, but like loved Eva unconditionally. Aww. Eva made I know it's really she really did Hi. have like a powerful network. So she made a small group of friends in the Valley LGBT scene, um, and these were all people that were considered outsiders of their communities. She devoted all of her time to her daughter. She worked really hard to provide for her. Um, she couldn't afford a car, though, so unfortunately, she usually hitchhiked to work. Oh, I can't imagine that being part of your everyday, like, Isn't oh, I'll just wild? find a ride. I'll just bum a ride. I'll just bum a ride. My like, anxiety would constantly be, like, spiked, like, without the the, the clear, like, reliability of yeah. getting to work you know like the work alone is stressful enough i don't need like the anxiety on of a daily there. basis it's on not like oh, every too it's not like oh every friday yeah on time i never even to do it every single day as part of the routine also is it bummer ride or thumb a ride because thumb like oh well, i know it's bum a cigarette so i just thought right that's ride. is it is it thumb a ride <laughs> so stupid our podcast is so stupid thumb a ride it is. You're so smart. 
it makes sense with your thumb yeah anyway but yeah i can't imagine that being like oh it's 6 a.m better use my thumb and get a ride real better (laughs) thumpkin where's thumpkin okay i've been watching a lot of miss rachel all right uh so, so anyway um yeah so she but remember her coworkers called her reliable and considerate so like she clearly wasn't just showing up for work at any old time like she was getting there reliably every day with a hitching a ride i can't i think it it. just again i'm thinking in um modern present day yeah Yeah, because maybe back then like hitchhiking was just like oh any car is gonna stop i think so especially like in rural areas it was just like well you know someone needs a ride hop on in i'm going there anyway yeah what a wild time i can't even imagine time i'm not interested thank you very much um, so anyway, she's hitching rides to work and in June, Eva disappeared. And of course her older sister, Noreen was terrified. She said, quote, it must be something bad because she would never ever take off and leave Jenny without making sure she was taken care of. Hmm. So the investigation in Charleston, New Hampshire was slow. Um, locals talked about the way those people were unreliable, gross. uh, gross, gross, gross. Uh, they said, well, you know, those people in the LGBT community, meaning, were unreliable. So, you know, it's not that shocking that she would run off and abandon her child. Okay. okay. Wow. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, get this. Eva's disappearance didn't even make the papers. So that's great. Uh, she, as we said, had never really fit in with mainstream society. Like I said, she was not straight. She was fat. She was poor. And she was a single parent. Basically, all of these a monster in the village obviously yeah yeah. a checkbox like every box checked for like dismissive you Mm -hmm. know society dismisser so people started of course because what else making up stories about her abandoning jenny and running off that's not going to traumatize her poor daughter you know right but like forget all the other things where like everyone thought she was so devoted to her daughter up until this moment yep just like throw that out the fucking window um because she's a lesbian, so she must have just abandoned her child, you know. Oopsies. So they said she had done this before. She had not. Uh, and <laughs> what? So With what other child? Just, like, left her there. And people were like, wait, no, she hasn't. She literally never did that. But, you know, people make up their own realities. So yep. Noreen and Eva's childhood best friend, Rose, knew differently. Noreen drove to Claremont and put an ad in the paper, which prompted a reporter to go ask police about the investigation. Police seemed totally uninterested. And one officer said dismissively, I could get the search dogs out, but where would we start? It's like, that's Ugh. your job, bud. Yeah. Are you hey, talking bud? to me about that? That's are you talking not... to... Yeah. What the fuck? You want me to tell you? <sighs> so it was a full month before they finally set up a roadblock to question drivers where Eva worked. One woman came forward a and month? said- A month? A month. A full month. Well, then she's already, I mean- Yeah. Like, fuck, fuck you. I mean, really. One woman came forward and said she'd picked up Eva hitchhiking on her way to work that day. Okay. So that's a solid lead. Wish we could have gotten that information sooner, but okay. Yeah, right. The woman let Eva out at a local vet office, like an animal hospital, and Eva hitchhiked on from there. Okay. I know this is like a side note again, but imagine you have to hitchhike, but sometimes you only get dropped off part of the way. Ugh. So you have to like take multiple cars. There have been times, I mean, okay, this is like, the, this is not hitchhiking, I but I've had to do that. I think we can all relate to whatever you're about to say okay i feel it uh, in my bones 
I it's obviously not just hitchhiking, but I have done that with Ubers where I've like I was driving three hours from the airport <gasps> and I felt so I wasn't going to ask oh. someone to drive me three hours. So I drove I took an Uber an hour. Then I got another Uber an hour. Then I got another Uber for an hour. And I was like the fact that I'm so lucky that there would be access to cars yeah. at every hour mark. But like, can you imagine just being like, oh, I have to hope that now the next car I get in is going that far and in that direction without any stops and like wants me in their car and will stop for me like and is safe like every day. Oh, my God. And I we'll really get there can't... on time. I mean, I can't. Yeah, it's yeah. just like no driver is going to respect your needs before theirs. If you're like, I need to get to work now. Right. Step on it. And they're like, I'm getting some you're milk like, at the store. Yeah, like, just, you know? get out of my car then. Yeah. I it's feel like, like you must have just been such a fucking puzzle. My dysfunction would just never allow this to happen for me. <laughs> I would just not be able to do it. I would just give up. Like, I can... It's hard enough for me to get into a car to go to work, like when I worked I'm, at an office. What happens if, like, you're working on a day where everyone else, like, got work off? Like, or what oh, if there's, like, yeah. what about inclement weather? What if someone else, like, got snowed in, like, and now you have less cars to pick from? Or, like, what if, like, they're driving a safe route, but your route to work has Especially black Especially in New Hampshire and Vermont. Like, what's, what are you to do? honestly give up that's what i would do i would absolutely (laughs) give up i i'm dead serious i would just be like forget it i guess i'm not working i don't know i don't know what a what a scheduling fiasco what a fiasco indeed um so this woman says i picked her up but i could only take her as far as the vet's office as far as the animal hospital and she was going to hitchhike from there the rest of the way to work so first piece of the puzzle they know the last place that she was seen safe so now they had three women missing in this area and uh that september of 1985 unfortunately two men out target shooting in the newport woods found human remains there were only bones and a single shoe and they were partially swallowed up by an enormous hemlock tree's roots unfortunately it turned out to be ellen freed Okay. Well, I saw that coming, but yikes. I know. I know. So Ellen was the one, the second victim uh, that I mentioned who uh, had moved there after breaking up with her boyfriend and um, had a lot of close friends and loved kids and all that. And uh, her story was the one where her car was abandoned Mm. in the woods. But you're asking me? No, sorry. I'm just covering. I'm just... um... (laughs) I'm just recapping like which one Ellen oh, oh, was because oh, oh. I know okay. there's a lot of names in this story. So right. um, Ellen. Yeah, Ellen's the one that the two people were out in the woods and they found human remains. Yeah, but I'm saying um, so they found Ellen's remains, but Ellen was the victim whose car was found. It was the one right. before Eva whose car was found abandoned in the woods. Gotcha. The way you paused, I was like, do you want me to no, say it back to no, you? No, <laughs> I was trying to piece it together in a coherent way because I know we, we've skipped down we've bounced around we've bounced around yes exactly so unfortunately the remains turned out to be ellen freed uh and so the investigation was reopened and police still did not make a connection between the three women uh some papers speculated ellen and bernice were connected but they never included eva because uh ellen and bernice were quote normal (laughs) (laughs) okay Ah. 
I hate that. Yeah. They were considered normal, productive members of society. They had boyfriends, steady jobs, etc. Eva struggled financially, moved from job to job, wasn't well, straight. Well, she, I was going to say, like, you had me at, well, they had boyfriends. <laughs> it's yep. like, okay, well. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so police said she simply didn't fit the same profile as the other women. But what they failed to recognize is that what linked the women is that all three were independent and prone to be out alone, vulnerable, and two of them were last seen hitchhiking. So, yeah, mm. it does add up, you know? Yep. I mean, maybe the killer's type was not, you know, what their orientation was, but whether they were easily accessible, like his opportunity. I have a hunch. Yeah, I don't think them. he was yeah. interviewing them to yeah, see what they exactly. were about. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you. In April of 1986, that was the following year, the mm -hmm. Connecticut River Valley murderer, who still had no name or identity at the time, struck again. One April afternoon, Steve Moore came home from work. His wife, Linda, did the bookkeeping, and he had called to ask her to write a check for him to stop by and pick up, but she didn't answer the phone. So he and his coworker, Terry, drove home, uh, and he's like, oh, we'll just stop by my house and have her write the check. And things looked normal. Their St. Bernard mm -hmm. Abigail was lounging in the yard. Linda's shoes were in the grass beside a portable radio and a lounge chair as if she'd just been out laying with the dog. But inside, he found Linda lying face down in a doorway. Shit. He turned her over and she was dead. She had clearly been attacked. She was covered in blood. And there was a cut on her so deep he could see bone. Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. She had been stabbed more than two dozen times. Two dozen? Yeah. That feels so personal. Like, it but like, like I, such overkill. But since there's, I mean, literally, and also I like, I um, I feel like because I know it's a serial killer, there's no way he had like a personal thing against any of these women. So it's just weird that. If any, if I it think, was just like a standalone murder, I'd be like, oh, that's personal. Yeah, and but I think with serial killers, it often becomes like a power the, thing. No, like they're standing in for somebody like, oh, you know, so if there's a hatred toward women, for example, and a hatred toward their mother, for example, like it's uh, a projection of something personal. like Ed Kemper, where he then finally did kill his own mother at the end of killing all those women. And he outright said, like, I hated my mother and this was like my outlet you know oh god yeah you're right so wow. I, I that's where my mind goes that it's probably somebody who's well clearly someone who hates women i don't think that's really like up for grabs. clearly for someone debate. who's unhinged beyond fully, repair fully, yeah yeah so uh she had been stabbed more than two dozen times um, this is pretty dark. He checked her pulse and called an ambulance, but he, it, he was in shock and it didn't quite click that she was gone right away. Uh, yeah. Um, so he told Terry, who his friend in the truck, his co-worker, to come in, quote, my wife's been stabbed. And when the ambulance arrived, he just seemed like kind of despondent, like totally out of it. I would be. I mean, there's no way. How you else can, would you, ha you know, yeah. stunned is the only way you would be able to be for several, several days. I totally agree. And Steve said to Terry, his coworker, oh, I'll write that check for you. And the, I'm yeah, not I'm totally I would be the exact same way, though. Exactly. Just like, all I know right now is how to write this check. And like you're nothing just trying, else makes sense. Your mind's just trying to like keep it together, I imagine. Yeah. And so the ambulance driver said, how can you even think of that right now? And it's like, 
okay i'm with we all you grieve like, different yeah you never know how you would be none of you're... us have experienced unless you like have like a particularly gnarly history but like nobody i know at least experiences shock enough to know how they would react in a, a time of shock so yeah i feel like unless you're in a position like this you can't be like well why are you thinking of that it's like well, I, I don't know yeah My there are some stories it. there are some stories you've covered where like you know what's the 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 guy that killed his wife and daughters and then went on this whole like press tour where he was acting like he oh, didn't know Jesus what happened christ yeah. like there's there's times like that where it's weird that they're acting a certain way i don't know like it's it's a fine line it's a fine line it's totally to a be gray critiquing area. other people yeah especially like, when they go on talk shows because it's like yeah i don't even know how i'd act on a talk show as without any sort of traumatic incident like let yeah. alone with but but again but there are some things that just feel like i feel like even though i'm very lucky to have never been in a state of shock like that i feel like i can still somehow on a human level relate to the complete panic and totally. like, almost disassociation you know but then there's other moments where someone acts a little too odd or not odd enough. And I'm like, that doesn't sit right on a human level with me. It's very yeah. weird. It's a, it is. And I feel like it's different for different people. And so it's like, you know, it's hard to gauge. Uh, so yeah, I mean, interestingly, we'll get to it, but of course, and again, he's the husband. So like, of course you look directly at the, the husband first. You do. Mm -hmm. That's most likely who killed yeah. her, but you know, in this case, it was not. So when his children showed up from school, he calmly explained to them that their mom was gone. Oh. And then his parents came and picked the kids up. Obviously, Steve was in shock, but police were quickly convinced he must have been the one to kill his wife. Uh, so they interviewed him several times and just were like, OK, it's not adding up that he did this. Eventually, the detective on the case was promoted and new detectives started investigating poor Steve. But luckily for Steve, the original detective was convinced of his innocence. He once said, if this guy ever went to trial, I'd probably be called as his best witness. I did everything in the world to arrest him, but it's my obligation not to arrest the wrong man. And I believe in that. Yeah. So several days after Linda's tragic death, Bernice was found in the woods. Now, Bernice was um, the 17 the year one. old. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This was now 22 months after she disappeared. And it was only three miles from where they found Ellen's remains. Mm. So a dentist identified her skeletal remains with dental records, just as he had done for Ellen. A medical examiner was able to determine from her bones that Bernice had also been stabbed to death. And now police finally started looking seriously into connections between Bernice and Ellen. Meanwhile, locals, of course, are reeling. The two women had been discovered and Linda had been stabbed to death in less than a two week span. Hmm. So one of them is murdered and two of their bodies are found within two weeks. Yeah. I, that's, hmm. I don't know what to say to that. That's very odd. Well, I just mean like that's the town went into like full panic because Hyper of the back to back to back incidents. I know, but is there a, is there a, um, I don't know, is there a, a reason why all of a sudden two are being found at the same time when it's been so long between the... the I don't think so. I think, I imagine it's just like maybe it's hunting season or, you know, people are just out. Oh, okay. I, I'm, not, My... I'm not sure, but 
I don't think it was my, like see, anything first... intentional. I think it was just because their remains had been there since they were killed. Got it. My first thought was that it was weird because like maybe someone had someone who maybe knew something. I'm already in like trying to figure it out mode. Right. And I feel like if two bodies got found in, in the same time period, maybe someone was onto it and I don't know. Uh... I don't know. No, ignore me uh, my i'm going in different directions no apparently. no you're good i mean it's it's possible listen we don't know the fucking answers so who knows mm. because guess that guess what only days later mm-hmm. two brothers who worked in logging found eva's body in the woods mm. four it's victims a, all discovered yeah. within weeks of each other all like proximity wise very close to each other now get this. This is talk about bad luck, okay? These poor guys, these two guys who found Eva's body had already found a body in this exact spot before. Shut up. Oh my god. Man, Five a body years unrelated? Earlier. Yeah. Unrelated? Well, not necessarily unrelated, probably related, but okay. uh 5 years earlier They'd found the remains of 37-year-old Mary Elizabeth Critchley who had gone mm-hmm. missing in August of 1981. I can't imagine having, first of all, finding a body. Yeah. And then thinking, that's the worst thing that's ever happened. I hope that, like, there's no way on earth that could happen again. And then in the exact same spot where you're probably already triggered to go to work there, you find not just another body, but two bodies. No, sorry. They found just another one. So this would be the second one. I thought there was two for a second. Okay. Still, all of a sudden it happens again exactly where you are probably hoping you never have to go back. Spot. You know on the ride there, they were like, oh yeah, this is a spot where we found a body last time. Fingers crossed. Doesn't happen again. And there was a body. Yeah. 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 So, oh God. So five years earlier, they had found the remains of 37-year-old Mary Elizabeth Critchley, who'd gone missing in August of 81. They had literally found Mary Elizabeth five, like less than 500 yards away from where Eva was now found. Yeah. It's sort of like you're hoping they're recovering from the trauma of the first one. And then it's like, huh, JK, yeah. here you go. So pretty quickly, it was like, well, this must be related. Like this guy's using the same spots as his dumping grounds so to speak Mm -hmm. what happened to mary elizabeth which they had not connected yet until until this this death mary elizabeth had been hitchhiking home to vermont from massachusetts through the connecticut river valley when she went missing for several weeks before these brothers found her her cause of death could not be determined but it was ruled a homicide so now they're saying well shit like they must be connected because mm-hmm. it's the same spot. Like, what are the odds? It's too weird. It's too weird. Unless like a, a whole gang of serial killers know, like, or like, like West like, Side storying their turf. Like, no, this yeah. is my turf. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So police formed a task force, and they said, "You know what? We've already linked Linda, Bernice, Ellen, Eva, and Mary Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Now we're gonna throw another case into the mix." Because there was one more case that they had not considered, and that was even earlier, October of 1978. Okay. So 26-year-old Catherine Kathy Milliken went missing while she was photographing birds in the Chandler <sighs> Brook Wetlands Preserve. Wow, that sounds of all abs- the, like the most innocent thing innocent someone could be doing. You could be doing. Not that it not matters even... whether you're doing something innocent, but it just makes it all the more horrific to hear, yeah. you know? It's like he took one look at her and went, I don't know, 
Easy, easy target, yes. easy bait. Yeah, yeah. So her body was recovered the day after she went missing, yards from where she was last seen, which means she was seen safe somewhere and literally yards away. So yeah. literally right there she was killed. She had also been stabbed 29 times. She is considered the Connecticut River Valley killer's first victim. So, but this was like they were back, back dating all of this, basically. Like they were connecting the dots much later, if that makes yeah. sense. But this task force that they had set up decided the deaths were unrelated. Uh, what? <laughs> it took, How? What was the reason? I don't know. There's that TikTok sound of, what was the reason? But like, really, <laughs> what was the reason? What was the fucking reason? I don't know. And they were, of course, still othering Eva and saying like, well, she doesn't fit the profile. Oh, shut the fuck up with this. Okay. And they were out of leads and they just said, there's no serial killer. So uh, it just didn't uh, add up. And fortunately, one investigator told reporters that he felt they were all connected deep down, despite his official stance that there was no serial killer. Because so, that man had read The Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker, and he had a yeah. hunch, and he ran with it. He's like, I trust my intuition. Yeah. And so he announces to, an, to a reporter, and the public took it and ran with it. They were like, mm. oh, this guy thinks there's a serial killer, even though the official stance is no? Well, yeah, there is, because we all know it, and finally someone's validating that. So now they are sure there is, a, the public is sure there is a serial killer in the Valley. Months Honestly, later, good for them to rally against the, the cops on that one. I mean, imagine, like, the fear in the public eye, and then, like, waiting to be lit by a spark, and it's like, the the spark is the one cop going... I think actually there is a serial killer and everyone's like, we fucking knew it. Yeah. You know, we knew <laughs> yeah. it. We were waiting for someone to say it. We fucking knew it. And they did know it because months later, this man attacked again. Great. So there was a nurse named Barbara Agnew who lived in Norwich, Vermont. She was divorced with a son who lived back and forth between her house and his dad's across the river. She was taking classes at a local college for her bachelor's in nursing, and she traveled the country teaching other nurses how to use medical equipment. Uh, already, there is a pattern here, nursing. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. There were a lot of nurses that were victims. But that wasn't the only thing, because Barbara was also fiercely independent, adventurous, she was putting herself out there. She was single, but dating men through a matchmaking program, like living kind of that single independent life that wasn't as common back then, especially like sure. post-divorce. So in January of 1987, a huge snowstorm hit the area and Barbara was out skiing with a European man she'd once met on a flight to visit her dad in Canada. She okay. had spent the day with him, and at the end of their get-together, she assured him she was a Vermont girl who could safely drive home in the snow, so there was no need to worry about her. Okay. And he watched her head out into the storm, and that was the last time anyone ever saw her. All right. Unfortunately, drivers all over the interstate had to leave their cars behind that night to get to safety, so no one was oh, too shit. alarmed when a car was left alone with the driver's door open at a rest area. Mm-hmm. And when no one came to get it, it was towed away. So, oh shit! So. Yeah. A few days later, a rest stop attendant found Barbara's ski jacket and sweater in the dumpster. Mm, that's they were not in, good. That not good sign, especially because they were in perfect condition, 
and had Barbara's hospital ID in one of the pockets. Oh, wow. This person even, isn't even trying to hide it anymore. No, no. It feels almost like the cockiness is growing. The confidence. It's just like fucking. It's like, well, no one's found me yet. Dismissive. Yeah. So he and an office worker called the hospital several times trying to track Barbara down to come and get her clothes because they were like brand new. Yeah. And her ID. The hospital contacted Barbara's ex-husband, who called another contact, who finally called Barbara's best friend. This friend had already been worried about Barbara. Uh, she hadn't heard from her in three days. And now that she's hearing like nobody else has either and her mm -hmm. clothes were found in a dumpster, she knows something is desperately wrong. So she calls the police. Eventually, detectives are able to locate Barbara's towed car and they find blood inside on the floor, the steering wheel, and the driver's seat. Oh, my God. It's So she didn't even really make it out of the car, no, it sounds which like. is horrible, especially because she was, like, in a snowstorm at a rest stop. But she must have also, like, it must have happened while she was nude, right? Because her clothes were in perfect act. They weren't, like, bloody or anything. Well, it was her jacket and her, like, I don't know if maybe he took it out of the car and threw okay. it in the dumpster do you know I what i like, mean what a, yeah i was like that's a weird extra step but it, it sounded like her clothes were all not bloody and she the car was bloody i don't know yeah you know that's a good question let me see like what i mean it's a yeah technically just a no, random but detail you're but, right because it was her ski jacket which i can understand she would have probably taken off in, in the, the car, car yeah but her sweater was also found in the dumpster so i'm not i'm not 100 mm. percent sure um maybe it was just like her outerwear yeah yeah okay it could be or maybe just something extra she had in the back seat and right. he just didn't want it to be identified i don't know yeah, yeah that makes sense that makes sense so they find blood all over the car the media puts out barbara's face and story because she has not been found yet everyone in the area knew she was missing uh and two months later a woman out hiking with friends found barbara's body face down in the snow oh she said after hearing about Barbara in the news, she often wondered when they would find her. And when she saw a body in the snow, she knew instantly who it was. Yeah. Feels almost like she knew this was going to happen. Like she was like walking toward her own fate of finding this body. She was like, yeah, she was like, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. You know, a lot of people have that experience where yep. as they're walking towards that moment, something's already there's like an aura about them. Yeah. Or they're freaky. like, that's a dead body. Like there's something like your spirits connect somewhere where like you're aware inside that something's going you're on you're like i know this is i'm like heading toward this and i can't stop it yeah yeah Ugh. so like the other women barbara had been stabbed to death of course now the surrounding communities are in a full-on panic gun shops are selling out of weapons and mace women of course were terrified and one man who was interviewed said well it doesn't really affect me <laughs> well Fuck fucking ding 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 that makes sense to him <laughs> uh, like i'm i'm not surprised that someone i mean let's just call it what it is that is the most privileged thing i've ever heard in my life <laughs> yeah, seriously it's like oh, okay must be nice yeah Thanks must for be your nice input. to not have to care since you know that yeah. like you're a man and don't have to deal with it yikes so unfortunately leads kept going cold and it was clear now that Bernice, Ellen, Eva, Linda, and now Barbara must all be connected somehow. And maybe mm -hmm. even Mary Elizabeth who'd been killed in 81 and Kathy in 1978, just right. a whole slew of people, but everything was a dead end. And it seemed like none of the victims or their loved ones had any chance for closure. And of course, because he was not found in 1988, the killer struck yet again. All right. Mm. Just fucking buckle up. Ben. Buckle well, up. That's not it. This is the fucking 
finale coup de, coup de gras finale here we go okay August 6, 1988, hot night at the tail end of summer, 22-year-old Jane Borowski, who is seven months pregnant, by the way, is heading home from a night at the fair when she pulls over to a closed convenience store to get a soda from the vending machine. Mm. It was there in the empty, dark parking lot that the Connecticut River Valley killer attacked Jane, but she survived. (gasps) Did her baby... I'll tell you. Yes. I'm just going to okay, say yes. Okay. Okay. Thank God. Okay. I know. I, I was going to wait till the end to say, but I don't want to leave anybody in a lurch. Yes. Sure. 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 Okay. Okay. Thank God. Yes. Thank God. Um, So I recently, this is interesting. I recently listened to Jane tell her own story um, on a podcast called Murder She Told, which tells like uh stories from like the new hampshire and surrounding areas oh wow Um, okay it was really it's a really well done podcast uh and then i realized wait a second like 10 seconds in i was like i know this story because i'd also heard jane tell this like a few weeks ago or months ago on the podcast this is actually happening Mm. uh the episode is called what if you survived a serial killer and uh so she also told her story there and so either way I have listened to her tell it twice and she told it a third time on a show called dark. What is it called? Dark minds, dark minds. Uh, I watched that as well last night just to get one final viewing in. Sure. Um, yeah. And so here is the story told in Jane's own words. Oh, thank God. Wow. We never get that. I know. I know. I know. It's really powerful. She says, I pulled in, went to the vending machine, got my soda, and I noticed this vehicle pull in and park right next to me on my passenger side of the car. I didn't think anything of it. I had no reason to think anything of it. As I was sitting in my car drinking my soda, getting ready to pull out, he walked around the back side of my car and asked me if the payphone worked and opened my car door and tried to get me out of my car. Oh, no. She said as soon as he grabbed her, she screamed so loud she broke the blood vessels in her eyes. (gasps) Yeah. I can't imagine the pain of that, but also good for you. Like, scream, scream, scream as loud as you can. She was in shock. It was happening so quickly. She started kicking at the attacker wildly, and she actually shattered her own windshield in the process. Shut the fuck up. Oh, my God. She's (laughs) already the most powerful person I've ever heard of. She said, the next thing I know, he takes a knife out and said calmly, maybe this will persuade you to get out of the car. (gasps) Oh my god, I can't I can't imagine the fear. Oh my god. And she god. said, which it did. I got out of the car. She asked what he wanted, and he accused her of beating up his girlfriend. What? She realized he must have her confused with someone else, so she told him he had the wrong girl. And he said, Isn't this a Massachusetts car? He walked around and checked her plates, which were New Hampshire. He started walking back to his car. And Jane said something that she'll regret for the rest of her life. Oh, no. She said, hey, asshole, what about my windshield? (gasps) Oh. And he fucking turned around. Wow. He was leaving. And he turns around. She said, well, you know, she didn't feel that threatened anymore. She thought, well, he must have confused me with someone else. He's walking away and she's like, what the fuck? You just broke, you just harassed me, scared the shit out of me, attacked me and broke my windshield. No, I get and- why she did it. I, I just, I like what happens next? I'm very on oh, edge right it's now. It's not good. It's not oh, good. Oh, shit. 
So she says, hey, asshole, what about my windshield? And he stops. And he turns around. He walks back, puts a knife to her throat. (gasps) She sees a car driving down the road, so she makes a break for it. She runs, screaming toward the road, but the car keeps driving. It's like <gasps> all these people picking up hitchhikers, and this car is like, nah, I keep driving. <laughs> like, come right. on. Yeah. Like, of course, yeah, we've just of talked course, about, like, the one time, yeah. Oh. Jane says, quote, the next thing I know, he tackled me down like a football player. Oh, fuck. I was on my back on the pavement, and he was on top of me, and before I could even realize what was happening, he was stabbing me. It was almost like an out-of-body experience. I could not believe this was happening to me. He stabbed Jane 27 times. And she survived? Mm-hmm. The entire time, she was trying to cover up her stomach to protect her baby. Oh, God, I forgot she was pregnant. Then suddenly, he stopped. He got up, eerily calm. She's still a lot, like very much awake at this point. Walks to his car and starts driving away. Jane started to get up. She obviously knew she needed to get help. And he just watched her as he slowly drove past. Just <gasps> stared down at her. That's, I mean, obviously she just got stabbed 27 times. I know that's not, that was had to be the worst thing in the world. But there's something particularly evil about a slow drive staring at just her. Just watching. That's so, I mean, creepy isn't even the word. Eerie isn't even the word. Evil. It feels evil. Sinister. Yeah, very evil. She said, quote, I rolled over on my hands and knees and started getting up. He just so slowly drove right by my head and looked right down at me. And I looked right up at him and he drove away. He didn't speed off. He just drove away. God, that is truly, I think, the most sinister thing I've ever it, heard. I have goose cam and like I've heard the story now so many times. Jane got in her car and went to get help. And... uh. Here's the damage. Both of her lungs had been collapsed. (gasps) How is she alive? I know. She struggled to even open her own car door because he had severed the tendons in one hand and one knee. Oh, my God. He'd even cut her jugular and lacerated her liver, part of which she had to have removed. She did manage, though, to get into the car and start driving. But before she knew it. Don't say it. Scott even even worse or not worse but they just kept going because she suddenly realized she was driving behind him he, <gasps> he could see her in the rearview mirror didn't even cross my mind no of course not so she pulls into a friend's driveway jumps out to to meet up with her friend call for help She and her friend heard the slamming of brakes and the squealing of tires from the car on the road when he noticed that she had stopped and pulled over. Oh, my God. So they are just, like, waiting for him to get out and come after them. But suddenly the car just took off and peeled out. So Did she get his license plate or anything? mm Mm-mm. Okay. Just wondering. No. So after he left, she realized how much she was bleeding and she started to lose consciousness. I imagine the adrenaline's wearing off at this point. Sure. She was convinced she would die just based on the amount of blood alone. But thank God she survived and so did her baby. 
she carried her daughter for two more months so fully to term how on earth i know I, also I know. like they she had to get a c-section or somebody can push with that many stitches in you and all that right i don't know i don't know oh my god but i can't even imagine labor during that okay no i can't either and when she was born unfortunately her daughter was very sick and had to fight for her life for 10 days in an incubator and she was saying you know it how unfair it felt because she's like the two of us already fought for our lives and now yeah. she's sick and like barely able to also i can't imagine just like complete sidebar the the guilt of like maybe my stress from that night caused something yeah like, yeah which like it's not that's not i don't know that for, i would worry about that the whole but time but of course you'd be yeah you're like well we survived but like is the baby gonna be okay you know how do you know i mean <sighs> so jane actually didn't even know about this serial killer situation until she saw a report about her own attack in the newspaper which said she was a possible vic victim linked to the murder of these other women so she didn't even realize there was like this this whole chain of people who'd been killed the police interviewed her and jane identified the attacker as a white man between 30 to 40 years old, he was average height around 150 pounds, and he was blonde. He drove a dark-colored or brown 1970s to 80s Jeep Wagoneer with wood grain around the sides. They swabbed under her fingernails and all that, so they have DNA evidence. But as of her most recent interviews, uh, it's been 34 years with no arrest uh, and no closure. Wow. So on top of all that, imagine living every day knowing that whoever did this to you is still Could out find there. you again. I mean, he knew your license plate, you know, like mm -hmm. he at least knows you're in New Hampshire. He knows like where your friend lives, you know. Oh, my God. I especially because he's local, seemingly, since he killed everyone in the same area. I so, terrible. Also, like there I feel like there's some sort of connection of like um uh i feel like he stabbed everyone somewhere in the 20s amount mm -hmm. of times and like i mean it's interesting that i really would like to know the psychology of why he didn't feel the need for someone to die he just wanted them to suffer you know or... it's wild because everybody else died you know yeah and you know maybe he thought he was leaving her for dead like maybe mm. the others since they were out in the woods I would be panicking though if I if I could see she was still driving behind me. Like, oh, the and driving! I know, and he did slam on the brakes, but maybe he thought the risk was too high to get out and attack her and her friend. You know, maybe they'd already maybe. called the police. Like, I don't I know. Just, I'm sure she's thought about it a million times. I'm sure. I, wow, and he, I know. Of, I can't even imagine the fear of going through all that. Then your daughter having you know some issues at first, and now. Mm -hmm she and now and he's still no out answers. there yeah yep no closure at all so of the seven uh i i emphasize the seven known victims because right. again we added more later you know who knows if there are more that we haven't even heard about found uh connected but so of the seven known victims jane is the only person considered a survivor of the connecticut river valley killer and it is thought he may have many more or at least some more victims that have not been connected or even been discovered. Mm. Um, now, we don't know who it is. There was a single popular suspect named Michael Nicolau. And uh, in December 2005, Michael Nicolau murdered his second wife and her 22-year-old daughter in Florida. Oh, my God. And then took his own life later that day. 
Back in the 80s, though, Michael had two children in a previous marriage, and he lived with his family in Massachusetts. And in 1988, his then-wife, Michelle, took their children and hid from him in an unknown location because she was afraid of him. Um, He was prone to violence. Michael found out where they were, and they have never been seen since. Wow. And their disappearance remains unsolved. Michelle's family hired a private investigator who started to believe that Michael could be the Connecticut River Valley killer. Hmm. So this PI reached out to Jane, the survivor, and convinced her Michael was her attacker, too. But, plot twist, Jane has since changed her mind and does not believe Michael is her attacker. Oh, okay. So she said that she was actually never sure Michael fit the attack, but the private investigator spent two years convincing her it had to be him. So she finally just kind of went with Gave it. Gave yeah. Yeah. And she said, quote, I never really wanted to say to the media that I felt like it was him, but she told me if I didn't say that, nobody would take us seriously. And I did want people to take this seriously. I wanted the authorities to investigate him. She felt like they were doing nothing, though they actually were investigating him. I really want them to take me seriously. So I told her, okay, I'll say it was him. And Mm. then she said, I wish I didn't. So she felt like that pointed the investigation in the wrong direction. Um, And other people, you know, offered differing perspectives. So Jane started really questioning this PI and and the PI's work. And she said the PI got extremely defensive. So Jane just cut off all contact. Ultimately, Michael died by suicide using a gun, um, and he had also used a gun in Florida to kill his wife and daughter. And according to psychologists and investigators, it's extremely unlikely for a serial killer to swap out weapons like that. Yeah, like it, yeah. it just doesn't really fit for him to do so many crimes with a knife that were clearly it, like successful crimes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like so many in succession, and then suddenly switch to a gun. Um, and so Jane firmly. No longer believes Michael is a culprit, but unfortunately that means the killer could still be in the area. Um, And on Dark Minds, they did touch on two potential suspects, but um, they didn't reveal the name. Okay. And it took 20 years for Jane to be diagnosed with PTSD. Uh, 20? It should have taken 20 fucking minutes. Are you kidding me? I know. Um, I imagine, though, like, you know, it's probably hard. Like, you... She would have had to go seek help first, you know, and it's like, I imagine that's a hard step to take. Like, I don't think it was that it took 20 years for anybody to decide on it. I think it was just like it took her that time to actually go get a diagnosis. Okay. For a second, Um, I was like, um, that's the easiest diagnosis I've ever heard. Who is gatekeeping PTSD from this person? I mean, Jesus. So the attack deeply affected her life, of course. Um, her story was featured in media, like Unsolved Mysteries and that episode of Dark Minds. And she now speaks openly about what she experienced, her long road to healing, and how other survivors of violent crimes can heal, too. Um, I definitely recommend both the episode on Murder, She Told, and the episode of um, of This Is Actually Happening. Uh, and you can also watch Dark Minds to see her tell the story uh, face-to-face. So New Hampshire and Vermont government sites still ask that anyone with any information on Jane's attack or the seven victims to contact authorities because families are still waiting for closure and these women are waiting for justice. And I really, really hope this is one of those like Golden State where I'm like, can we please just nail this motherfucker? Oh, yeah. Let's get him. I can't believe, I mean, shout out to Jane, by the way, for making sure that her story is told accurately. She seems so badass to spend this long and then still have the guts and the 
fortitude to tell the story over and over and over again, you know? I guess if it happened so long ago, eventually, and not that you can't be re-traumatized by things, but like maybe she's just like, I'd rather people know than not know. And Yeah, it's a very noble pursuit because I I couldn't blame her if she was like, I don't want to revisit that part of my life, you know? Yeah, I would expect, yeah, that's what I usually would expect someone to say, mm-hmm. or um, I would at least expect them to say, like, if you're, if I am going to talk about it, it's going to be like with, I'm not going to go into full detail because yes, there's like something with parameters or, yeah, exactly. Wow. Um, so yeah, that's the story. And I know we're, uh, <laughs> Em and I are brushing close to a work call, so uh i'll leave it at that but yeah if you have any information you know obviously go uh check out the the local you know pd of of those towns and yeah submit a tip oh my gosh let's get it let's nail them and uh shout out to jane thank you for your story and jane's a badass i uh just everyone take this as a a lesson if you see something say something and Mm -hmm. trust your gut read the gift of fear by gavin de becker apparently (laughs) and do whatever you can to stay safe don't hitchhike hitchhike. that time is over and everyone's lives i think yeah um and with that we'll i guess we'll see you next week i i I, man i'll bring another humdinger i guess so humdinger is the perfect way to is the perfect thing to call it i guess so um, catch us for more humdingers next week and <laughs> we'll, we'll see you then and that's why we drink across america bp supports more than two hundred and seventy-five thousand jobs to keep energy flowing jobs like building grid scale solar energy in ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in texas it's and not or See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.